0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Chris and Orash Show. And we have a special show for you, as usual, but a very special one, a hopefully meaningful one. So um, how are we doing, Chris? Very
1: good. How are you doing?
0: Pretty good. Um, um, we don't seem to have uh, spring this year. I think we're going to skip spring in our area. <laughs> it's right. like non-existent and uh sure. it's been quite cold, but we're going to create some warmth here with Mm -hmm. our discussion on meaning. And so I want to start off with, as we usually do, and that was probably your idea as well, to start with a definition, because there are different kinds of meanings. And the first meaning, just basic definition of the meaning of words. Let's look at that. So that kind of like going into Levi Strauss uh, um, uh, territory, Um, not the jeans guy, but the the person talks about signifiers and signified, and that ties in with our discussion on Buddhism as well. Uh, Things are not always what they seem. So, and that's what we use for language, the meaning of words.
1: Um, Any thoughts on that? Well, I think that it's it's an interesting place to start because for meaning to, to exist, there has to be some clarity, you know, like to, 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 to find meaning in one's life, there should be a sense of knowing what it is, right? Yes. And so um, the other word that I've heard used in connection with this whole idea of meaning is coherence and, and where the idea is that you, all the bits and pieces fit together and, and it makes sense in some way. So I think that goes along with the idea that You know, and the basic meaning of the word meaning being to define something and to identify its precise sort of definition is sort of what we are doing when we seek meaning in our lives. We're sort of saying, well, what is the precise reason that we're doing this? What is the precise, you know, when things come into focus in your life and you go, ah, that is why, and that is why I do these things, and as opposed to, why am I just struggling and suffering? Like, what's the point of this? In, uh, in German, we have different words for it. And so
0: sin would be the meaning of the word, whereas, uh, zweck would be more in terms of purpose. And I think maybe throwing in purpose could, could help clarify the difference between the two, although like, um, purpose, I, it does not have the same meaning as meaning to me, because I think purpose is more like, um, it's less intimate. When I think what's the purpose of this? I think of like you know jobs or or you do something because you want to get something out of it but even in terms of meaning and the signifier and signified uh, there is a lot of um, um, miscommunication there and misunderstanding because let's say for example the word spiritual might mean different things for people or the word religion so that is again dependent on culture but also personal experiences that that uh, colors the way we perceive things
1: yeah i mean i think well you mentioned this word purpose and that was my third term i had meaning and purpose and coherence and i think you know and sort of again sort of full disclosure i'm halfway through a course called to, that's all about becoming a meaning and purpose practitioner. I, I don't know if I'm necessarily going to become such a practitioner, but it's certainly an interesting experience taking this course. And and those two words tend to be paired together, meaning and purpose, with meaning being the, the larger umbrella term. And then purpose, you know, it's, it's hard to imagine a meaningful life that is without purpose, right? Like, so purpose mm-hmm. is sort of always the thing that, the reason that we get out of bed in the morning, the reason, you know, that, that sort of driving force in which we find meaning. And then, and then again, that, that sort of third term of coherence where you, everything kind of just sort of makes sense. Like it all kinds of fits together. So yeah, I think, that, I don't think we can really talk about meaning without that word purpose. And then I was going to throw out two other words that kind of aren't, don't, don't contribute to meaning necessarily, but I think is something that people tend to seek and associate on some level with meaning and purpose, which is happiness and pleasure, you know, or, and maybe even throw in joy, but it's sort of like, I think most people most, a lot of our, our time is spent seeking happiness and pleasure and certainly marketing, you know, you know nobody's marketing a new four-wheel jeep that is going to bring meaning and purpose to your life right Mm -hmm. the idea is it's going to bring happiness and joy and all kinds of pleasure and so i think it's this is sort of often at least you know i think in the west for us where survival is not really an issue where we're kind of like, okay, so what I really want now is just like distraction and happiness and lots of like pleasure all day long. And then we find that the people who actually do achieve that often find that they're hitting like all this emptiness, like all of this sort of lack of meaning, a a purposeless uh, existence, and they're just kind of seeking more and more distraction and higher levels of pleasure and they're sort of on that hedonic treadmill where you're like so you find something that makes you really happy for a short amount of time and then you find you're on that that sort of swings around and you're like super depressed because it's not doing it for you anymore and so that's i think the the opposite really of true meaning and purpose
0: for, for meaning uh, to work, it needs to be meaningful. And so we, we look at, again, what is, the, and that is more a personal thing. I think that the the problem is we are often looking for abstract terms, the meaning of life. Um, but it's more like what the existentialist would, would say. It's really like what is meaningful to you, to your life, to your skills, to your conditions and circumstances. There might not be. Uh, an overall meaning uh, to it all there might be or might not be but in the end we can't know and the only thing that will matter is what is meaningful to you personally to
1: your life yeah and I think that's sort of um, increasingly you know as as the world shifts away from organized religion and sort of where you are kind of born into a, a very stable, structured society where where all your beliefs are kind of taken care of for you, then, you know, that if, if you're like a devout Christian or something like that, and you're born into a conservative um, Christian family, you don't really have to worry about any of this because it's all kind of laid out for you. <laughs> and you know that you're, you know, you're going to do all, you're going to live a certain life and you're going to go to heaven and blah, blah, blah. blah but for the rest for everybody else it's going to be a matter of constructing your own meaning and and i think for most of us i think we find that that's a more authentic and true sense of meaning when you arrive at it on your own terms <laughs> And it
0: comes with the the freedom that uh, in existentialism, they talk uh, as well about that, how it's terrifying, because now I have to create my, or find my own meaning. And um, it's, uh, it's easier just to be told, oh, this is how you do things. It's like you go to a job and they tell you, this is how we do stuff. And it's like, okay. And I just follow the rules. But yeah. here it's, you are basically making up the rules. You are finding what works and what doesn't work. And I think some people... Um, partly out of laziness would prefer to be told and partly right. out of um, perhaps um, lacking the confidence of like, I I don't know what's meaningful, you have to tell me.
1: So we need that kind of extra guidance. That's right. And and I mean, as you mentioned, it's like it's it's ter- kind of somewhat can be quite terrifying, you know, to, to live a life or live in a world that you perceive as lacking in meaning. And where it's like, you know, where you are, you suddenly realize, you you can't trust any of these external authorities to, to, to really give you that sense of meaning. And I guess, you know, for those who do like we've, we, in previous episodes, we've talked about organized religion, you know, we talked about, but you know, it's like, and I just wonder like people who grow up in something and enjoy the security of something like the Catholic church and then, you know, have to somehow You know deal with this this thing that gives him so much structure and and comfort and it's like oh this is like rampant child rape like what (laughs) the thing that gives me comfort is responsible for the most heinous suffering imaginable and it's like then you're really left on your own you know like that that must be really uh a a tough place to be And and that's a terrifying part of also
0: trying to, I I like coherence because it's like we need a set of beliefs that kind of also make sense and not necessarily logically, but also kind of something that we can integrate into our lives, we can embody. And so um, that's, again, uh, the desire to look maybe for other religions that satisfy our needs more so or help us more than, let's say, certain religions that are more dogmatic. And so uh, and that's when 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 people um, dive into like like us dive into Buddhism and and try to explore that, because uh, with it, we we like the the amount of freedom one has. But at the same time, there is a clear path. It's also dogmatic at the same time. So you have a bit of both.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And and I think it's worth mentioning. Um, you know, I think the, the 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 one name that comes up over and over again when talking about meaning and purpose is Viktor Frankl, mm-hmm. and um, and you know obviously Viktor Frankl, you know, uh, was in the concentration camps, and and he noted that those who found some some semblance of purpose or meaning within the camps lived longer. They just were able to survive, and others who weren't tended not to be, where the, just would die. And so having that meaning and purpose is enormously uh, empowering, you know, like on, on every level, you know, that just gives you that that uh, energy, that, that strength to withstand, the, I mean, uh, you know, the most horrible circumstance, you know, obviously it doesn't really get much worse than, you know, Nazi concentration camp. And so for him it was, you know, There was meaning in terms of helping others. There was his wife was in a different concentration camp, but the knowing that that relationship was still alive in his mind and that he was, you know, potentially reunite with his wife. That was something that kept him going. But then the other one, which I'm personally, to be honest, a little uncomfortable with, but he has he also has faith. Right, like he, you know, he has he had a faith in in God, and and he found that those who had, you know, a religious faith that also sustained them, and he felt like that was necessary. And I was a little like because that's usually there's a focus on the you know being purposeful, helping others part, but the faith part I hadn't heard a, a spoken of as much when Frankel's names come up. But for those who do have that faith. For better or worse it is very sustaining like it it certainly will give them that meaning and and kind of keep them going so there's that i'm a
0: huge fan of logo therapy and logos here the meaning the 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 purpose that one sees and and um just a previous podcast i I talked we talked i talked about nelson mandela and how he had that sense of of purpose and that faith i mean we can use use faith in that and Without in including a deity or anything, but that faith that, uh, in, in something, in some sort of power, but also that faith in oneself. It's like, what I'm doing is the right thing. This mm-hmm. is the correct thing. I am suffering, but it's not because I'm being punished. It's because the world has gone mad and, uh, and they don't see things uh, clearly. And I, I think that really sustains people, and Nelson Mandela, 27 years, I think, in, in prison, but he felt free, he didn't feel imprisoned. Whereas we see people who are free and walking around free, but they are more enslaved than those who are in, in, in prison. So um, that is uh, quite fascinating. That is uh, often uh, the mind and the, the view I have and uh, that can be liberating
1: or limiting. Right, right. And I mean, he sort of was able to befriend his jailers, like, you know, he was able to sort of see their humanity and kind of, despite all the cruelty that that they heaped upon him, he was able to see that they were sort of in prison with him, you know, like they were, you know, also kind of, and, and I think, you know, I think he credits that for part of how he was able to survive. I think it was of... it
0: was Hamlet and uh, the 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 King of Infinite Space in a nutshell. I think I'm misquoting here and uh, but hopefully paraphrasing it correctly. And I I think that is it. I mean, it's it's not. It's really like you can have absolute freedom in just a very small amount of space and i think that is what victor what kept victor frankel alive and mm-hmm. what i've uh what actually kind of troubled me was uh, not so much his faith but what happened afterwards when he came out because then he was experiencing the most intense suffering sometimes worse than when he was in the consultation camp camp because of again processing all of those things when you're in survival mode you just kind of you you go whereas like later on and telling others and and living in society for him that was uh, that was very very painful and very difficult Mm
1: -hmm. yeah yeah the the other one i recently read a book called dharma in hell and it's uh written by this guy named Fleet Mall. And he spent 14 years in a uh, federal like prison for as a drug trafficker. And, um, but he was a, he was very deep in his Buddhist practice. And so during his 14 years, he found a place to like this little closet to meditate, but more importantly, he signed up for the, he worked with the dying. He did palliative care in in prison. So, you know, as as people were dying, he was there to be like a nurse to just help them, but also to comfort them. Um, and so he would just day in and day out be with people on their like last day, and um, and sort of. So you know, he's in prison and in a way. He's found the most miserable place in prison to be, right? Um, but he, that, but that's what sustained him. And that was sort of to drive enormous amounts of, of meaning where, you know, and he would describe like, sometimes the most difficult cases where people were just such sort of foul human beings, but then, you know, in their dying moments, they still, you know, were human and, and you know, needed that, that comfort, or whatever. And he would, you know, give up like sort of D- d- days off from that to spend, you know, spend, you know, because somebody may live just ex- an extra couple of days, and he would go, and it just that's what really kept him going, and it was quite a eye-opening account because it's sort of like, again, it was sort of like, what would you associate with a happy life may not have anything to do with a meaningful life, you know, like <laughs> so. There's yeah. obviously a lot of a lot more pleasant ways of doing your time in prison. Um, but perhaps nothing quite as meaningful.
0: I think what confounds things as well is this idea, this notion of of success and a successful life. And uh, again, also money and monetary worth and so on and And I think that uh takes us away from meaning in many cases, and people confuse the two, and then they think the money the money would bring happiness to them as well, and that doesn't occur and we've seen many cases of that, so I think uh that is something that uh people um don't see the difference between us success is not the same as as meaning or as something that's meaningful
1: right it it be, be, you not know,
0: necessarily
1: sorry. Right, right. And, and I think, I mean, I forget, I mean, the, the numbers change as time goes by, but, you know, they talk about how there is a, you know, and again, like in a stable sort of Western democracy, you know, we're not talking about, you know, refugee life or something like that, which obviously is in a whole other scale, but it's sort of, you know, there's a, a minimum amount of money where, where beyond that. know below that and you're suffering below that and you're you know you're not you're stressing about bills and you're not you're living paycheck to paycheck and that's not a happy life you know like that's Mm -hmm. that's a stressful life but then you sort of are at a point where your your bills are paid and you have a a a bit of a cushion there so that you know things go wrong you have something to to you know rely on and you know you can go on vacation once in a while and your family's taken care of and you you got your savings and then beyond that the next level up is has to be be like really a huge level up you know like you have to really like i forget i mean this is an old study but i remember you know years ago it was like 50 it was like $50,000 in a in in somewhere you know maybe not in vancouver but somewhere in canada and then you were and then it would have had to go up to like you know 120,000 before you would have really had a really significant job. My numbers are probably totally off now, but it's sort of like or or you know when you have somebody who's a millionaire and it's kind of like it, it would would it make them that much happier if they had 2 million dollars? And it's like <laughs> not really. There is some there is, you know, there would be a little bit of increase in happiness to some degree or or whatever, but it was like incrementally smaller and smaller, like diminishing returns. <laughs> so it's kind of like not having money is extremely you know causes a lot of suffering but having a lot of money of itself is not going to make anyone happy
0: and and recent studies show, show show exactly the same thing and as you're saying so of course we we can look at Maslow's hierarchy of needs and yes we need the, the basics covered and that's yeah. that's uh, we are so fortunate to to have that and that's again uh, we're privileged um, but apart from that after that again as you're saying it's that the, the the changes are not that big in terms of level of uh, happiness and so in some cases it could actually go down and people who won the lottery are the least uh, happy people in the world according to, to studies and they explained it uh, again the reasons behind it because then you think well my friends friendships are right. not genuine and i i'm not working and i think work is something that it adds to meaning if it is meaningful employment or if they were just working to make money. And a lot of people um, I see around me um, are they're just doing the work for the money. And there is not that extra element of vocation and uh, desire. And this gives me meaning. They're just OK, well, I'm doing it because um, maybe it's easy. Maybe this is what happened to me. And uh, these are my experiences, my degree and so on. So. There is there is that as well
1: um, to consider. Yeah, I mean, and two uh, two things that come to mind. One of the other things I've heard about when people become lottery winners, sometimes suddenly all all those years of struggle to achieve you know some minimal level of security seems so nothing. You know, it's sort of like we work so hard just to get to buy that bigger trailer or whatever it is that's sort of a poverty level um and then it's like you win you know your million dollars and you're like oh my god i could just get a house now like it just seems like it dwarfs all of those accomplishments in their mind a little bit but um but i think that's a really interesting i think the other piece that you're you're hit on is a really interesting one because you know the sort of meaningful work meaningful employment and all of that and it's something that you know like i remember There's lots of examples of it, but the one that just comes to mind right now is Joe Rogan had some, you know, little spiel that he did about finding, you know, meaningful work. And it's it's sort of, you know, it's on YouTube in a variety of different, you know, ways, like, you know, motivational video, you got to listen to this. And it is like, if you just listen to it, it's very motivational and it's all about how, you know, so many people live this kind of shitty cubicle existence, you know, they work for some company that they they don't really believe in and it's just this grind and it's and and all those things that Marx talked about, the sort of total alienation from you know, the product that you're making alienation from other workers because there's a sort of uh a culture of competition and suspicion. And, you know, and it's, and all for sort of this desire for security, which isn't really even there because you might get downsized tomorrow and, you know, and then, you know, and his thing was like, obviously looking at his own life where he's obviously had this really interesting wild existence as, as, you know, went from, you know, host of fear factor and, and doing all of, you know, being a stand-up comic and then having this incredibly uh, popular. Uh, show you know online, and it was like, well, nice that not we don't all get that, and 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 I and I felt like it's a, it's an oversimplification, I guess, because there there is those uh, probably a vast majority of people are in that world, and it's not like and I'm in that too, and it's not like we can just oh yeah you're right Joe, you know, and he his point was start small, do something, fair enough, we can all do that, we can all go home and work on our side gig side project passion project whatever and we should but it's not necessarily going to lead to emancipation you know in the sense i mean that's just sort of that's just like when people are like i love playing tennis but i'm not gonna turn pro you know like and and i think what happens is you know there's people who do really make it and, you know, like I, I got a few quotes here and Jim Carrey says, I think everybody should get rich and famous and do everything they've ever dreamed of. So they can see that it's not the answer, <laughs> you know? So I think, you know, it's like, there's so many people, like for me, the big one is Anthony Bourdain. Like that to me would be the ultimate existence. Like you have your own show, you travel, you do this food thing, you write. like Yeah. Yeah. Like, give me that. And he, you know, and he kills himself, you know? And it's like, what the hell? And, um, and so I've thought about this, and I think the thing that someone like Joe Rogan is missing is that when you do have that, you know, nine to five life, you end up finding meaning in a lot of little ways, you know, and and it's and it's in su- sometimes surprising ways, and I think they shift from you know over time, but it's not necessarily like it doesn't look great from the outside. <laughs> But it's but it it's not actually necessarily any better or worse because it really is about mindset and and sort of, you know, and it's like there are, you know, I worked for the same company for nine years, and now I'm the company that I work for has been acquired by a much larger company, and in that much larger company there are people who've worked there for 25 years, you know, and I've met them and they love the company. And then I've met other people who have been you know around for a year or two, and they're not that happy. But mm-hmm. but it's the same company, right? Like, mm-hmm. and it's like very small things make a big difference. Like you know, it's like, what's what's your relationship like with your coworkers? You know, exactly. what is your relationship what mm-hmm. to your boss? Mm-hmm. How far away do you live from where where you work? Do you have a a ten minute walk, or do you have a one hour commute? Like mm-hmm. those are very micro adjustments yes. that you could yes. potentially make that make all the, I mean, work from home, Holy that yes. that's a gift from heaven, I'm like oh my god, yeah. that's so awesome right so
0: yeah, and they, these are the elements I mean it might the whole might not be most likely is not perfect, and uh, we won't have it, but there might be something as I like my colleagues or I like what I 'm doing or I like the clients, or there's always parts of it and, and and often if the the structure can be also supportive, the work structure of of making sure that uh, uh, employees are happy and content and and giving them autonomy and 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 that um, then it's gonna help more, and it's gonna again uh, help the company as well. And there's there's a lot of people who who, who talk about that, that. We need to change the way we we think about work, both as an employer as well as an employee, and finding meaning in that. And yeah. that can get you through tough times as well when you say, okay, but I, I want to stick around because I love the people I work with. I won't find them. Or you're doing the job that you want, but the colleagues are not that great. So it's it's kind of like a, a balance that we have to find in many cases too.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And and I think, you know, mindset is everything. I know mm-hmm. for myself, like I will have the same situations come up in my career, in my day-to-day work life. And some days I have a really positive mindset and some days I have a very negative mindset and it completely influences what happens. You know, it's like, um, you know, as you know, like my career has been in educational management, sort of starting in the nineties, but I'm, you know, like. I was an, I was a language English teacher, you know, like we as we both are. And, and while well, you're also other language teachers as well, not only English, but it's you know, and sometimes like everyone, you know, working at a language school, I would say, well, this is super shitty. It's super shady. And you know, uh, the, the owners don't care about me and you know, the pay is crap and you know, whatever, all those things that we complain about. And I would get stuck in that. And then other times I would say, what an opportunity you know, like, this is chaos, you know, like, and there's, there's no, like, i got more. I remember like first, one of the first places I worked, it was like, we walked into the, the staff room and I said, what, what's, what, what are my books? What, where's my classroom? What are my levels? And they're like, well, okay, you get this classroom over there. Just grab any book on uh, over there and just, you know, and I'm like, well, which book is for which level? It's like, don't worry about that. Just <laughs> go ahead and whatever works. And I was like, oh my God. And at first I was like, this is terrible. I have to quit. And then I was like, oh, wait a minute, if no one else is bringing order to this, maybe I could, you know, and and so then from there I became like a head teacher and then later the director, it was like, oh but I just need to just, like just shift my attitude slightly and then an opportunity arose from something that at first seemed like really just a shitty situation so, I don't know, and, and even like working with difficult people sometimes, you know, like sometimes it really really gets me down and other times I'm like what a great challenge Exactly, know?
0: opportunity yeah 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 and, and and that's definitely true and we might see maybe this is what i'd like to do but then kind of fine-tune and refine it so for me if teaching is something that's always been part of me but teaching what, I mean, the subject. And uh, I, I found that I was happiest on teaching things like, again, philosophy and psychology and so on, where you can engage in, in, in deep topics as opposed to languages, which I love too. But then it's not it's not the same. And so I think for me, and now I'm, I'm, I'm entering the coaching industry. And I think that what I like about that is that amount of skills of teaching uh, are going to be used, but it's not like, it's more like guiding, and that's what it, what my teaching experience was like too. Of, of guiding students towards thinking for themselves, who are doing so. It's basically, it seems like a big shift, but in fact, it isn't. It's just the same thing, but more like fine tuned towards my own uh, desires, passions, sensibilities, skills, and so on. And I think a lot of people can kind of explore that and need to explore that. And I, we are seeing that with the, the great resignation that people are saying, well, this is not the job I wanted, but now I can take these skills into a different direction and something that makes me happy and fulfills me more and gives me more meaning, uh, as opposed to what I was doing previously, for example.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, overall, you know, teaching is, you know, one of the most connected to sort of, uh, you know, to what, to, you know, the products of your labor in a sense, you know, like that's the most non-alienated work we can do um, because sort of regardless of the topic, if, if it's important to the student and, you know, I think the idea that we're helping people achieve their goals is meaningful on so many levels, you know, like, especially if it's in, um, I mean, now we're online and I think we're all getting better at finding connection online, but when it was in person, all the more sense of connection with others, you'd have a whole classroom where you have a sense of community, so whatever, it could be somebody's accounting exam or, you know, it doesn't really matter what they're going for or just trying to improve their overall language abilities, but if you're all kind of pitching in together to to move forward and especially if it's something like um, they are doing, you know, I you know, I've, I work, well, we both do for a language testing company where it's high stakes in the sense that it's um, the, the test takers are taking a test for the permanent residency or citizenship. So, you know, it's like whatever we do to help them with that, that's going to make a huge difference in their life. And so, you know, just as like in a classroom, if you're helping people achieve their goals, it's like can be hugely meaningful but we've also had the, uh, the other situation where we're in a class of a bunch of spoiled brats who you know their parents have paid for them to be there they don't care they're going to they're going to like maybe fail and just go back you know perhaps return to their countries or do something else it doesn't really matter and then it's painful <laughs> And then it's kind of like well if you don't care why would i and then it just becomes like okay i i got to do this for a couple of hours today so that i i get paid and then I can move on with my
0: life and and in many jobs you don't see the impact that it makes on others whereas in in teaching especially in person when you can see when 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 people are succeeding or enjoying it it's it's harder to see on online but I always like the evaluations at the end of the semester and you're always terrified like oh i didn't do as well i didn't think it was great and then you have these like wonderful like warm uh, encouraging comments and it just it's it's meaningful so meaning is not just what's meaningful to me but what impact it makes on others and that adds more meaning to what i do and especially hearing success stories when people uh this one person and uh and uh, I apologize if, if I ruined his his career chances, but decided to um, do French and major in French and not business as he was planning before. And so I, I, that's a huge step. That's a huge impact. I, I hope he is doing well and that was the right choice. But it's, it's that when I see, OK, I made a difference in this person's life. And when you hear back from it, too. Many cases we do it will make a difference, but we never even meet them or know them. So I think that adds to to that sense of meaning and purpose.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And and you know, what I was, um, you know, we as part of my work, we always hire one intern to to work with us, and it's often like at the end of the year when I look back on sort of work highlights, you know just sometimes it's like getting that email from the intern, you know, six months later, or a year later, it's like, Oh, you know, you, it was really great to have that experience. And now I'm doing such and such, and maybe in some small way, what their experience helped them. And it'd be like, that was kind of a highlight. I was scared. To be honest, I was a little surprised by how much, how meaningful that sort of was to have a, a young person sort of, maybe one of their first work experiences. And the, the the team, like not obviously not just me, but the whole team was so supportive that they kind of go into the world of work with that reference point of whatever happens, knowing that it can be good. Like, you know, like there are there are work situations where everybody is really, you know, civil and supportive and, you know, so whatever else happens, they have that model of like, this is the way it could be. <laughs> and, and they themselves hopefully have some sense of, of confidence, of agency, you know, because, you know, we sort of would acknowledge and recognize that and give them that confidence. It was like, wow, it was, it was hugely, I think, meaningful for myself and for the rest of the team. So I don't know, The I'm, I'm looking at another quote here that I pulled out for this. Stephen Hawking says, work gives you meaning and purpose and life is empty without it. And I always... As much as I, you know, strive to find meaning in my work beyond a paycheck, to me, like, when I I hear when people, like, you talk about the lottery situation, you know, where somebody wins the lottery and they don't have to work anymore and they lapse into this meaninglessness, this listlessness, you know, to me that's pretty sad. Like, you know, yeah, for sure, try to find meaning in the work that you do but if you were ever given the opportunity not to have to do your nine to five, I mean, unless it's something you really want to do, but if it's something you're doing, you know, in part because you just have to work, as most of us do, it's like, can you not find something else? Like, can you not find some? Because I know for myself, it's like, I'm pretty confident that if tomorrow I won the lottery, I'm not going to be casting about for things to do. Like, there's so much that I would like to be doing, you know, as much as I, 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 I I value like I appreciate my job. I'm, I'm grateful for it. All of those things like set me loose, and I, I'm not going to be like wondering what to do next. You know, like so I'm always like, come on, you know, like there must be something that you want, always wanted to do, and now you have the time and the resources to do it. Because really, if 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 you need your job, that's I don't know, to me a little. And, and, and we say,
0: and I want just to mention, we talked quite a bit about work and that is, uh, has value in our society and we see that we're contributing to society and so on, but we can do it in other ways as well. And that's why uh, there is also volunteer work, which uh, on its own does not make sense to say, well, why would I do this for free and not get paid? And uh, yeah. But um, th- there's that sense too. It's that we're not necessarily tied to our work in that in that way. And there's something else that needs to give our lives some meaning and purpose as well, whatever that may be. Yeah. And so and it's it's important to to recognize that and realize how much of what we're doing is because we say, okay, well, I need to have money to get by and to, to get those uh, needs uh, covered, according to Maslow, the basic needs. But what else can I do to create that uh, that happiness that I need that that longing for something and uh, it doesn't have to be tied to work but what I I would like to tell younger people too is like just explore what what uh, interests you I mean younger than us where you in university for example study what you like and we tell people like no become a lawyer or a doctor and these are good jobs and these are not good jobs and so on I would say you know just let them be and develop what they are looking for their own unique skills and that can again create more happiness whether they're going to use it for the future and work or jobs that depends but really like diving into that and I wish I had done more so than uh, than I have and so if I could go back I would change some of the subjects I was taking things that I'm more passionate about instead of things that just you know happen to you.
1: Yeah, I would agree. I mean, and generally, I also probably would sort of make different choices, but then I also wonder you know, it's like when you find yourself where you are, and it's always, it's, it's never a direct route, you know, it's never yeah. like, so who knows, like different choices wouldn't necessarily have led to where I would have expected them to. And so, and there were so many times when I thought, well, if I don't do this, then for sure I won't be able to do that. You know, like there's all these sort of absolutes in my mind that completely never really were were real. So it's sort of hard, hard to know. It. And the world changes so much that it's like, what will tomorrow's workforce look like? You know, and it's like, and then, you know, something like work from home, who knew that was going to come our way? Yeah, but, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But the other yeah. thing I think that I, is a really important piece for all of this is, um, <clears throat> That meaning, I I mean, it's hard to know to what extent, but as I get older, I think it's a huge part of it is simply what we do for others. You know, like meaning is something that's not really something that we create for ourselves so much as like, well, it is something we create for ourselves, but it comes out of some degree of, of service. You know, like if we just, find like that when we say me, find meaningful work i think we often it's sort of that that overlap between something we enjoy but that is brings value to others you know like if it's purely just something of our own pleasure and it doesn't benefit anyone you know that probably gets pretty empty but if it but it sort of has to do that and i was looking up like the um you know they've done studies where they measure like they'll give some People like ten dollars or something and it'll be like measure sort of the satisfaction that comes from spending on themselves versus Mm -hmm. spending it you know on others you know here's ten dollars and you can donate it or you can just go and spend it on yourself and then they sort of i guess it's just rate you know their level of, of satisfaction or whatever and for sure spending on others brings more happiness and I but I guess in a way it's just it's more meaningful right like when you mm-hmm. do it for others and then I think again like back to our conversations about Buddhism it's like you know when we think of the happy Buddhist you know like someone like the Dalai Lama or something who really seems to sort of just beam <laughs> contentment you know and it's like and they're completely selfless you know and, and they find Meaning and purpose, and even happiness, in compassion and that 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 connection, that service for other people, uh, and I, I and as, as I say, like especially as I grow older, it's like that seems to be like a really integral part of the puzzle.
0: And I want to take it in a completely different direction where it's like, why are we so obsessed with meaning? And uh, to me, um, the idea of mindfulness comes in and you think like this is already meaningful, the moment, the way it is, the way it's structured without me having to worry about it. And if you take that away, then every every single moment is already meaningful. We just, we're just looking for something uh, that is already there. Uh, and so, uh, and 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 that's a different view. I mean, of course, we want to be driving our careers and our relationships and foster them and, and build them and so on and whatever people want to do. But at the same time, things are already meaningful, and we fail to see that often.
1: That's very true, and and I and that was something I also um, had some notes on here where I was just reading an Atlantic article about this where there was a, um, a quote from the Wizard of Oz and it said, if I um, if I ever go looking for my heart's desire again, I won't look any further than my own backyard because if it isn't there, I never really lost it to begin with. Mm-hmm. Um, and it says, if you feel lost in your search for meaning, cut yourself some slack and go back to the basics. Yes. And, yes. and, and then in my course uh, about meaning and purpose, one of the things like the the person who's created the course is that's their life's work you know and they're an academic and they find the whole topic extremely interesting and and very meaning like the 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 topic of meaning and purpose is very meaningful to this person right because that's their area of study but what they were surprised to find is that a search for meaning had a very low court like was correlated with not being happy you know, mm-hmm, like people mm-hmm. who are actively like pursuing meaning and not, therefore, not really fight having it right now. I mean, it makes sense in a way, but it's like you're not living it. You're not doing it. You're mm-hmm. you're waking up every day going, still no meaning. So yeah, I yes, guess I better true. go for, okay. better find some.
0: Of the quest for enlightenment in Buddhism, and I think the way I understand Buddhism is like forget about enlightenment. You know, just just right. be. And you actually, what, what I loved in that discussion I had with Robert Thurman was he said you actually might be enlightened and you don't know it. And and right. that or that kind of fascinated me. It's like, well, wait a minute, maybe we already have achieved a really good solid base here through our life through our experiences through mindfulness and so on and we just don't acknowledge it or recognize it or give ourselves credit for it and uh it just again not even credit it's just you know you are fully immersed in the moment and that is meaningful and i think animals are have uh they're ahead of us in that sense because they don't worry about meaning they just (laughs) are
1: yeah i mean i would just question how aware they are of that, but, that true. but for sure i think that you're right like it's sort of you know when you go to something like buddhism and mindfulness and all of that it's all about like coming to the present moment you know it's like <laughs> it's because we're lost in the future we're lost in the past and so we are never fully present in the present moment and it's like when we it's a kind of returning home you know as opposed to a striving for some state that's we may one day achieve it's all about like actually it's all here you know mm-hmm. and and it's sort of i undo some of that you know layers of the of the conditioned self that is constantly you know being sort of buoyed back and forth with all these worries and concerns and regrets about the past worries about the future things that we have to and it's like take that all away mm-hmm. and you're all you're fully complete whole like here in the moment and uh and so i I agree that it's sort of it's all here you know and it's and it is something that you don't it's sort of that idea that when we think it's going to something that we have to go very far afield for is what's making us so miserable and i know that for myself it's always like when things when things sort of pull together it's always like oh that was that was a solution that was available to me at all times like it was right near me and, and i and you just i just hadn't seen it or hadn't realized it but i think also it's interesting um speaking of just that you know like when we talk about uh the places where people live the longest you've heard of the blue zones you know mm-hmm. you know that thing where no, it's like, like it. there's like uh, okinawa in japan there's a place there's a places in the mediterranean Um, there's a couple of communities in in California and it's sort of like what contributes to a long life and, you know, there's dietary things and environmental things, but one of the key things that's common for all of them, and they're very different in a lot of ways, um, is that there's a sense of community and that there's just like, they they have a bunch of friends that they see almost every day. And, um, and I think that that sense of community isn't a really important component to meaning because you know you'll have people in your life that you care about and to some extent there's that service but i think it contextualizes everything you know like if you're just sort of striving on your own to do stuff it sort of feels a bit more like on that survival kind of basis it's an avoid but if if it's like when you have when you can celebrate a win a celebrate some moment of success you want to do it it doesn't really fully resonate unless you can celebrate with other people right like that exactly. and you need the
0: recognition too as an individual if others don't say you're great or you did well and you accomplished something it's it's pretty worthless and we yes, need sir, yeah. the other to, to validate ourselves too in many ways
1: yeah yeah and 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 but i think it's also like yeah and i think in, a, in the same time it's like when you when there are failures you know then again it's sort of like if you can share that with people, then it's sort of, again, becomes contextualized in a larger struggle, you know, like if you're just alone with your failures and alone with your successes, it's kind of, it's sort of, again, on that survival level, but when it's in a, in the context of a community, then it's sort of like we are all experiencing these ups and downs and we were pulling for you. And it's just like, I don't know, there's some, it, there's, there's a richness of meaning that comes with that sense of community, I think.
0: Absolutely. I think one, one of the fears I had, because it's the, the small achievement. So they say even brushing your teeth is an achievement. Making coffee or creating a meal is an achievement. And I, I think it is. It definitely is. But when you realize that that gives a lot of happiness, then I was afraid that I won't have the drive to do more. And so, and and that's something that I would find, ter- I used to find terrifying. It's like, well, what if I enjoy this moment so much that I don't care about uh, developing and that uh, the, all these these things that uh, are valued in especially Western societies of like succeeding and success and so on. But now I realize, no, I mean, that's perfectly fine because you are going to do it, but in a more holistic way, in a more mindful way And that is actually then the successes are not overvalued and the failures are not going to be huge detriments because you say, well, okay, yeah, it just happened. It's not the end of the world. And I think our obsession with success is a problem, obsession with perfection. And when it doesn't work out, we feel like our our whole world falls apart and that can be very devastating for for people.
1: That's right. And I think that sort of, taking this to the longer view and realizing, you know, every failure usually comes with some lesson (laughs) Mm -hmm. that, that makes, you know, you don't learn much from a success, you know, like when you succeed, you're like, everything went as planned, perfect. And let's just do that again. Whereas failure is always like a painful, but huge opportunity for growth or opportunity for, to, to do things, you know, and and i love the idea of like um like you know whenever you hear about inventors like i don't know like how many times edison you know failed at with his light bulb or you know whatever it is it's always like the the amount of time that went into these successes is always so ridiculously beyond what most people would be able to stick with. You know, there was so and much often, failure. Often you know. they're accidental and you, you're looking for
0: something and find something else. And we have cases of that too, which is then all this effort. It's like, well, no, there it is. And by chance, right. you know, that Yeah.
1: And, and so at some point, if you are like, to get there, you, you have to let go. Like you, you can't wake up in the morning and go, today's the day that I'm going to succeed or else I'm going to give up because... Mm-hmm there's no, there has to be just some satisfaction that is derived merely from trying, just, just, you know, like without having any outcome that's, you know, positive or negative. It's just like the journey, not the destination really does have to be, or the, the point of it. And I know like for myself, having for so many years, um, you know, struggled with, with writing, you know, when you read, you know, interviews with successful writers, they so often talk about how, like, the success that comes from finally publishing your work, it feels great, you know, of course. And then two weeks later, mm-hmm. you're right back to where you were, where you got to get up and, like, start working on the new project, and it's not Maybe even results. worse,
0: because then they, people have expectations, and that, that happened to Orson Welles. It's like, made a great film when he was young, and then... Yep what happens, you know, and it's just struggling and trying to keep to, trying to keep up uh, being relevant in that field. And that is a, a, a lot of pressure. One thing I, I heard, and it's, it's still hard for me to do is to, to try to fail on purpose. So for example, you're sending an email to put in some typos there. I still am not there. Right, I, I still can't do that. I, I still find that hard to do. But uh, I think that's it. I'm taking perhaps yourself not as seriously, not seeing situations as as fixed and uh, things are bad, and seeing it in a negative way, but more in a, in a fluid context and of of accepting, uh, embracing in certain ways uh, the failure as well as well as success. And we not see right. it with 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 people who chase money. Uh, it's never enough, and it's that that kind of it's an addiction. Because then once you have the million, you want two, and once you have two million, you need more, and and that's why we have super rich people in the world who are simply not happy, and they want more wealth because they think if I had a billion more or ten billion more, I would be finally happy, and uh, it right. doesn't occur.
1: I know, yeah, and I mean, and and I guess for me it would be like once I would have even that first million, you know, I, again, I wouldn't really be working, <laughs> like I wouldn't be striving, that, that wouldn't be my day anymore. You know, like I wouldn't be. And so it's, again, sort of sad to me that it's like, can you not find a more, do you lack the imagination to find like, truly something that you would enjoy? Like, even if it doesn't have, it, maybe it doesn't have to be something that's like a great service to mankind, but like, there must be something like kayaking like there must be something that you actually enjoy on a more profound human level than sort of just that kind of brute like money making okay there it is more, more zeros in my bank account which you know I can just potentially do stuff with but without the time to do it like okay stop now go spend it <laughs> like you know so that, that one is the always a mystery to me but I do get it I mean there that becomes you know maybe you know I, I like you hear about people who have a goal that seems like a very kind of materialistic goal but it's actually the striving that they're actually enjoying you know so i think in some cases racking up all that money it's not about the money it's about the struggle in some way where they they wake up in the morning and it almost doesn't matter what the goal is but you're going to work work together with other people you're going to be involved in this tense competition and you're going to strive towards this goal and even if go, ultimately the goal is sort of empty the striving for it kind of marshals all of our energies and gives us purpose then fair enough
0: <laughs> and and we don't see it enough people wake up and that was me as well in many many snapshots of my life where i wake up like i don't really want to do this or i don't feel like yeah. it and so on and and that kind of like passion and drive and the enthusiasm and one thing one term that i very much like is labor of love yeah and that is something that that, that i've always loved and anything that you do it becomes a labor of love then the, the rest falls away and you don't you're you're not influenced by it you just say this is what I like to do. This is what I enjoy. And I'm doing it. That's the purpose in itself, in and of itself. And the rest, if it uh, works out, that's fine. If it doesn't, doesn't matter.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: And I, yeah. I think that is uh, uh, the Kristen Arash show is a labor of love. Exactly. Right. And, um, um this is the the benefit the the experience of of doing it of of being able to share some of our experiences hopefully they resonate with others hopefully it makes them think right and um maybe some changes and if if people would like to let us know that would be great too it's like you know what you changed my perspective on meaning after this so i'm going to quit my job and so on <laughs> hopefully hopefully it's things that are reasonable though so we yeah. we always Encourage reason uh, in whatever one does, but also uh, that connection with the emotion, that uh, emotional drive that we have.
1: That's right, and um, and knowing that you know meaning comes often from small things. You know, like Mm -hmm. it's just as we were sort of saying that it doesn't necessarily require the big change, the big Mm -hmm. dramatic shift. And I think that's something that people sometimes they they will just like. You know, be it quitting their job or, or you know, sort of in a moment and like
0: yes, giving all that money to charity, maybe giving it all away and stuff. And you don't need those. It's it's good in some cases, but you don't, as you're saying, you don't need those big steps. The small steps uh, are very important too.
1: That's right. Absolutely. Um, and we're almost done here. I'm just looking at my. There's I just one other quote here that I have from Whoopi Goldberg, which I thought- Oh, that's your We're here for a reason. I believe a bit of the reason is to throw little torches out to lead people through the dark. And so I, I kind of agree with that, like where it's sort of sometimes in the course of a day or whatever, maybe, you know, there isn't a lot of opportunity to, to do something that seems hugely meaningful, but it, anything that you do is even a little bit positive, you know, like just when you connect with other people. Is a kind of like yeah, see, like it's not all bad. There's, there's always this opportunity to kind of uh, make that decision. Like Viktor Frankl talks about how, like in that space between, you know, what happens and how we respond, there's a choice always about what we do, about how we respond, how we react. Yes, and yes, and so good. in that, when we take the positive choice, when we do the meaningful thing, when we do the thing that's that's kind that's always hugely meaningful even though it's a small step and to realize when a glass is half
0: full it is half full and you can drink it and don't worry about filling it up it's just this is what you got and enjoy it you know and uh, absolutely true the way we respond to things even if it's uh, tragic outcomes and so on the way we can respond and grow out of it uh, uh grow from it i think that is that is hugely important very like Positive attitude. And that's not uh, wishful thinking or deluding oneself. It's grounded in reality, but it makes that big difference. And the glass being half full is a good thing. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. That's right. Wonderful. Thanks so much right. for an awesome thank discussion. You.
0: Thank you. Yeah. And thank you, everyone, for, uh, for well. tuning well, in. Well. And uh, we'll see you all soon.